Thank you for tuning in. This is our podcast, Healthy Families First, and I'm your podcast host, Dr. Raquel Lea. You can visit our blogger, texashealthyfamiliesfirst.blogspot.com or stop through our website at learn-edu.org for resources, tips, legislation changes and updates, sponsorship, and membership. We are listeners supported by members like you, and we've heard your requests. So, we have four advocacy goals. America's future legislative processes in family court, generational kinship and communication between parents and child, economic and educational freedom, and effective justice for parents. Thank you for tuning in. Now, let's get started. Thank you for tuning in to Healthy Families First. This is Dr. Raquel Lea, and I am your ho- your host. Today's show is sponsored by RayBabyCo.com, where affiliate marketing brings you the latest in brands, clothing, and designers. <sighs> it's out there. All right, so listen to this. I have a new radio. I have a new um, microphone. So the old microphone was on its last leg. <laughs> And I put in a request for a new microphone. It's something that just majorly, majorly, majorly needed to be done. I didn't want to mention it to the audience, but um, we took it to the board. And so we have a new microphone. Yay! So I'll listen to the show, make some adjustments, figure out what we need to do on this end and that end. And hopefully we'll just kind of keep it moving forward. And this will be a good listener's broadcast. If it's not... (laughs) our backup is to contact the producer, which he's really good. Doug is awesome. So shout out to you at BBS radio, Doug. Thank you. He'll give us great advice and, and tell us how to proceed. I do want to go ahead and jump right in, um, to the topic of chapter two. And it's a reputation of dominance, title and position. We started it last week. I didn't want to the last two weeks, the last show. I didn't want to get into that chapter without setting some things up. And the takeaways were that dealing with sexual assault, dealing with with people um, in this country and other countries, developing countries that have a reputation that perpetuate perpetrate fear and dominance and push you around with their title, position, and authority gives and leaves a space for intimidation. And in the opening of chapter two, um, just on page 29, we talk about a 17-year-old who told the police that he had been... um, sexually assaulted at a student ministry program over the summer. So that's something we have to look at, not what, as an adult, you believe 
someone that perpetrates fear in their ecosystem and our community looks like. But what a person with a title, dominance, and a position looks like to your child. You see the correlation and how we can get things misconstrued. So when we published the book, um, the template that we used changed a lot of the format for some of the autocorrect functions. And the the distributors that we work with charge a huge amount of money to take those off the shelf, come out with a second edition, and put it back on the shelf. So even though they're just in that italicized part, when you publish italicies, that happens. The the format doesn't come out correctly, but you can read through page 29. It's only one, two, three, four, five lines about the descriptor and about the 17-year-old and what he told the police and how they moved forward in prosecuting, prosecuting that case as an opener. But the italicis does have some <clears throat> misspellings in it, and the reason it does is because how it translates for publication and print their autocorrect will adjust that. And so we went back and forth and back and forth, and each time it cost us several hundred dollars to make changes. But the italicized was important, and there wasn't another option that we could use at the time. Okay. So in in working with this chapter, I want you to think about the fact that rather under state code and policy, and so we're looking at state law in the state of Texas, State law in the the state of Texas is pretty much relatively the same in all of our other states in this particular model. That's why I use this particular example to talk about the age of consent. If a 16-year-old has consensual sex with a 37-year-old, it's still a crime. And so in dealing with child, children, child law and special conditions and rights, there are a couple of things that we look at, not just in the state of Texas, but lawmakers look at um, legislatively and jurisdiction-wise. And some of the things they look at is what we classify as victim, what we classify as accuser, and what we classify as innocent and improper. And that's why in each state you have some sort of family protective service agency or some sort of child protective service agency or special rights and special categories when getting into um, these descriptors. Child law, children that represent children and ad litems, play a special role in the as the middleman when it comes between accused accuser victim offender because we understand that things can get muddy and who said what who shot John Peter and Paul so because of that there's this go between to fluctuate what 
is um, law, what's legal, what's not, how to protect children, um, examinations, other sexual partners. Um, <clears throat> so as we move forward with chapter two, we'll kind of get into the minutia of it all. I want to look at um, the Texas law code a little bit so that you'll know how to handle your state, what you should be Googling, what you shouldn't. And we want to look at just for this particular case scenario, improper relationship between an educator and student. All right. Let's take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Become a patron-level corporate sponsor. Tech taught by the Cog of Dallas and Technology, a private U.S. for-profit company founded in 1992 that specializes in information security, cybersecurity training, and selling certificates. Topics available for training include cyber and network defenses, penetration testing, incident response, digital forensic, and audit. The information security courses are developed through a consensus process involving administrators, security managers, and information security professionals. Visit their website today. Family's First Broadcast remains a free service for listeners, authors, and guests, in large part thanks to your generosity and financial support. Every time you donate to our membership platform and join our community, you benefit with engagement, tips, resources, and professional guides. With your generosity of $3, $28, $150, or even $500 a month, you have the comfort of set it and forget it approach. Visit our page. Visit patreon.com forward slash healthy families first and become a patron. Thank you for tuning in. This is Dr. Raquel Lea, and I am your host. You're listening to Healthy Families First. And we are jumping right into Chapter 2, uh, Recovering from Sexual Assault by Family Members. Before we kind of get into family members, remember the focus of Healthy Families First is to work with parents who don't have communication with their youth, with their teen, with their children. The communication has broken down because of factors that uh, don't necessarily involve the child, like divorce, um, relationship split, in-laws. We, we look at the relationship with extended family members that really guide us in relationship with you and that teen, you and that youth, you and that child. 
and and we find ways to work with the parent to help them understand that they are still a parent, that this too shall pass, <laughs> so to speak, and to give them a large platform to say other parents are hurting. It, it's something like shaming when especially a mother doesn't have access to her children because of outside factors. Um, Sometimes there may be mental health factors. Sometimes it's just a bad divorce. And there needs to be a space for parent recovery before there's parent-child reconciliation. And I mean something outside of the courts. The courts have a way of, of shaming you as a parent and they will open up your ecosystem and your social arena and just drag you through the mud for 18 to 24 months. This is to get you to scream uncle and to settle out of court. I am hurt to see what's going on at our borders to try and make parents turn around and go back. You know, we shouldn't use our children as weapons. And here I feel as though our federal government are using children as weapons against the parents saying, hey, well, you should not have come. This is your punishment. I do believe Jeff Sessions said this is how we we stop them from coming. Children are not a pawn and they have been pawned. And I will post it. I will post uh, where Jeff and Jeff Sessions actually made the announcement of plans to separate parents and children as a weapon in immigration crackdown, and saying that this is a punishment to separate parents and children entering the U.S. illegally. Now. I know that parents feel as though they're being punished when they're not doing what the system wants them to do. And that is your right. You you have a right to do justice. You have a right to do process. You have a right to be heard. But there is a punishment from the DA's office, from the judge, that you are wasting people's time and, and they want you to scream uncle. So things are harsher than what they have to be. And my heart goes out to you because I'm not ever going to tell you to sign a document so that the pain can go away, so that you can scream uncle and you can just go on with your life. And the court system literally hands you a big pickle so that you can scream uncle. That's not fair. It's wrong. And it's very hard to articulate until now (laughs) when Jeff Sessions says, hey, we're separating parents and children as a form of punishment to stop immigrants from coming to this country. And and if you felt as though you were being punished by the state and you felt as though you were being punished, punished by your community because you wanted access to your sh- children, because you said that someone sexually assaulted your children, your child or your children, because look, here's evidence there. And the reputation of the offender and the dominance of the offender was something in the community that makes you be quiet and hush. Look at Roy Jones in, I think that's his name, Roy Jones, the senator from Alabama, and how he dominated. I'm telling you that it's not in your mind, that this is something, these are things that actually go on today, that you feel as though... You're being punished because you are the whistleblower. 
And okay, so back to the book. I just wanted to to insert that so that you will feel as though um, it's not in your mind. You you will feel as though someone has taken the time to hear what you were saying regarding children, regarding your experience with the system, so that you begin to build. You don't feel as it's not going to make you feel any better. It's not going to make you feel better to know that you were punished by the system because they saw you as a problem and wanted you to give up whatever rights or whatever responsibilities you had to the child. They just wanted you to go away. I'm sorry that that happened. I'm sorry that you didn't have enough money to fight your case. I'm sorry that you lost. And how do you rebuild? It may not be your situation at all, but... The circumstances could be different. The feelings that you have are the same and the results be the same. That you are now separated from your children because you wouldn't play a game and you wouldn't allow your children to be the pawn. Where you lost, you lost big. And so how do you move forward from there? And for this particular book, when you yell sexual assault, and the offender is someone with reputation and dominance, you are going to pay a price. Does that mean you be quiet? Does that mean some people feel as though it's in their best interest to now shut the heck up so that everyone can go away and that you have access to your children? Well, the whipping stick is big and large, my friend. (laughs) And when you make that accusation just going away, there's still a penalty attached to that. There's still some form of shaming you're going to have attached to that. Okay, so the literature gets a little fuzzy, but I want you to jump to page 35 in the last paragraph. We really talk about the liberties of Texas and how difficult it is to um, mess up those liberties in Texas. And when I say mess up, let me pause a second and use a different word. It's difficult in Texas to find your space. Texas is the Bible belt. And there are certain liberties that dominate here in Texas. And um, we're a little different than the other states in that there is going to be, there's a certain dynamic of what a household should look like. And sometimes when a woman requests divorce or when you're a single parent um, and you've had two or three baby daddies, <laughs> let me say, Texas state courts are not always kind. There's some stereotyping that goes along with that. All right, so um, let me say this. I'm going to clean up the chapters a little bit more and and so that they're they are presented a little more readable and I will I, yeah I'll have chapter two presented to you again in episode three in ejunkie.com but it is hard it is it is a hard read and and, and we'll get through it so I'm gonna go back and clean it up a little bit so that it's an easier read for you. I'm going to show you exactly where I'm making formulated changes and I'll make some comments kind of on the side about about what I read about what you read in chapter 2 so that it's a little bit more legible. Like I said when we went to print it the um distributor when they go through and make changes 
they make changes in an autocorrect kind of way. And so when they make changes to autocorrect, we have to go back and implement those changes again, and it can get costly doing print. So we thought we'd put it out there. So I'll tell you what pages to go to. When you print it from eJunkie, I would have written in the sides so that you can get the text how I originally had it before it went out to print. It doesn't go out to print. When it goes out to print, it does another autocorrect, so it changes some things. That's something that we can't, unless we have thousands of dollars, there's something that we can't, we don't really handle here at a small mom and pop shop. Okay, let's take a quick commercial break. I will be right back, and then we'll move forward. To hear more Healthy Family First programming, go to bbsradio.com forward slash Healthy Families First. Healthy Families First magazine offers advertising package deals that include print, online banners, and radio show ads. We have experience working with custom ads to make readers stop and read the words by providing potential clients with an ad design, one that excels with media design and audience coverage. Contact Healthy Families First magazine by visiting our show page, bbsradio.com forward slash Healthy Families First. And thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Dr. Raquel Leah, and you're listening to Healthy Families First. So um, <clears throat> now that we've gotten through the first couple of pages, I'm going to say a good time to jump in that the autocorrect really hasn't jacked it up is on page 39. I, I wanted to share with people how um, you as a parent, especially in the state of Texas, are actually held accountable to a standard if your children are molested or hurt in your care or under your authority. You can face criminal charges if you did not know that your children were being assaulted by someone that had access to them through you. For example, if you had a family reunion at your home, uncle came in, stayed three or four nights and assaulted your child, depending on how the investigation goes, you can be held accountable. Um, and when I say held accountable, you will the child, children, can be removed from your custody and you go through the court judicial process to see if you are a healthy parent or a neglectful parent and whether those children will be placed back in your home. That is a separate case 
in what in what may or may not happen in the criminal case as to what um, the offender goes through. But you are held accountable as a parent, and those children can be removed. So I get into a little bit about that, um, and the reading gets, oh, a whole lot better um, in page 39. So let me tell you something. It's a low blow, I think, when when your children are removed and you were kind of at work and you find out when you pick them up from school that they're not at school, that they've been removed and you have a card to contact a social worker. That's a, that's a really low blow as a parent. And again, if you've gone through that, you know what I'm talking about and and you can feel the devastation and you may feel targeted. Um, there's one case where a mother claimed she didn't know, um, I think it was in 2013, about the sexual assault that had happened under her tutelage. And she was actually um, arrested. She was actually arrested and charged with a crime. And the state contended that she didn't know about it, that she was purposely not home and that she was going to jail and she was actually found guilty. And she spent, I think maybe eight years in in prison. And I can't say whether the lady knew about it or not. What I'm saying is that understand what the, what Texas law is and what the law is in your state. If there's a sexual assault that happens regarding your children and the way that I present it, this particular chapter and information is to say, if your children are taken into custody under the Texas DFPS law, then there's some things you need to be prepared for. Number one, you're going to have to answer the question, how did this happen without you knowing about it? I can't give you any legal advice because I'm not going there and I don't know your specific situation. What I am saying is that if you are going through this with your child that has been sexually assaulted, your services and what you need is separate from what your child's needs are. And so in respect of parenting, I'm going to consider that you did not know about the assault. For example, there's a... um, an organization called rain.org and I always go to rain.org because it it is a wonderful website that talks about sexual abuse, parents whose children have gone through sexual abuse and then physical signs of sexual abuse. There, there is so much information out there on how to determine if your child has, is being molested. This is why you are held accountable as a parent because the information is out there. And, and I think that states hold the idea that no one knows your child more than you. No one knows your child better than you. And so if your child has been assaulted, you as a parent should know it. There is a, an amount of protection that the state holds us accountable to in protecting our children. 
And some of the signs that they talk about is seeing if, you're, if your child seems unusually secretive, uh, looking for regression um, in their behaviors, paying attention to nightmares and sleeping problems, watch for inappropriate play behaviors, notice personality changes, watching a child's reaction to people in places, and just these basic bare physical signs that something has happened. Now, anyone knows that the rundown that I just read through is every teen with an attitude by the age of 14 and 13. (laughs) They all said those all qualifiers. However, there's something that goes on with the child when they've been touched and sexually assaulted. So if you say, well, you know, not my kid, that hasn't happened. I would know something. Would you? Would you know something? Well, I hope that you would, because any state in every state in the United States does hold you accountable to knowing, does hold you accountable to a certain level of protections to your child. Um, There is there's a, a resource out there talking about anxiety in toddlers and the possibility of child sexual abuse. Um, in toddlers and, and how they act and respond and the anxiety that they may go through and some of the qualifiers. And I, I always am hurt when um, sexual assault happens to these children under the age of nine because these are just classic signs. I'm talking about before the teenage years hit and parents <laughs> wonder where their child went, who was that great child they raised, and now they turned into hell's angels. So th- those particular ages, these the signs of anxiety, these signs of, of restlessness and sleepless nights and crying out and nightmares, those signs are there. Yet, I have the particular knowledge to understand that single parenting is difficult. You might be under stress and pressure to pay the bills, and there may be signs that you forget. And a lot of parents say, there's no excuse. There's no excuse when your child has been molested, you should have known. And when they're spending eight hours at school and another 10 hours in childcare because you work nights and they're at Uncle Bob's house, I understand how you might miss some clues and cues and, and things of this nature. I'm giving credence to good parents who say, hey, my job is to work two and three jobs to put a roof over your head. Make sure you have nice sneakers. Make sure you have clothes. Make sure you have running water. And and we get into the muddle of providing for children that we may miss the emotional and physical signs. I give credence to that. And now you may be thrown into this situation where you're looking at the fact that your child has just been removed from your custody. You don't know what happened. You can't talk to them. It's too late for that. And you are not a professional in the field of family court law. I understand that you may be asked some questions, your family may be asked some questions, and you don't know what's going on with the idea that your child has been sexually abused. I get it. I do understand what you're saying. What I'm saying to you is you are still held accountable, at least in Texas law, that something happened under your watch and your tutelage. You understand what I'm saying? I want you to know the hard facts that you're going to face if this happens. And if you've already been through it, which if you pick up my book, you've probably already been through it, what it looks like, what it's geared toward, and what ends up happening. All right? So we're going to take a quick commercial break, 
and I'm going to get back into some um, some examples that the book kind of goes through and some things that may be triggering for you as a parent. It may make you kind of squeamish, but we're going to talk through it. We're going to get through it. We'll be right back. As an NGO, the Cognitive Institute of Dallas and Technology is a nonprofit active in education, philanthropy, and other areas to affect change according to objectives in cybersecurity. While they support a format for vendors to offer courses, more often hosted events require organizational sponsorship and planning. Included is a suite of interactive learning tools for stimulating scenarios such as cyber attacks. They offer software development, security courses for professionals and CE units. Visit their website today. Considering becoming a supporter of Healthy Families First for only $3 a month? Visit our page at patreon.com forward slash Healthy Families First and look for the membership levels on the right side of the page. You can support the fight for parental engagement and parenting, a mission and cause of Healthy Families First, by purchasing an ebook or purchase the print book. Click on the affiliate link to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Book Patch at our blog at texashealthyfamilies.blogspot.com. Thanks again for your generous support. Thank you for tuning in. This is Healthy Families First. And um, yeah, we're talking about some hard stuff on this particular episode. And yes, I'm holding you accountable as a regular parent. There's some good stuff about it and there's some bad stuff. And the stuff I need you to understand is that you got to get through those hard conversations about accountability. You are accountable. This happened under your watch, and I'm going to give credence that you didn't know about it, that your children, um, you didn't communicate this information, you didn't know to to get this information out there, to, to question your kids about it. It's kind of like questioning your kids about drugs, conversation you forgot to have, <laughs> and now, you know, you find marijuana in their room, bad time to have a conversation about drugs. It's a bad time to have a conversation about sexual assault when you're at a visitation because that's not a good time when they're in DFPS custody. It's not a good time to have a conversation about sexual assault when your children have already been placed in foster care. It's not a time to have a conversation about sexual assault when you see signs of it, you ask them about it, and they say that John, Peter, Paul, Sam, Esther, just whomever, 
did something. That, that's not the time to have it. it it's, I, I hope that if you stumbled upon Healthy Families First, you're going to be proactive and get the information instead of being reactive. If you're getting the information reactive, that's okay. You're kind of upset because we're having the conversation, but we still need to have the conversation. We need to talk about it. Here's what I'm going to do because chapter two um, is a is a is not a great chapter in autocorrect. I'm going to put under episode three. I'm going to republish chapter two in e junkie. I'm going to make the auto corrections to it. You're going to see a lot of squiggly. You're going to see some notes pages, and then if you bought episode two, I'm going to give you a coupon to download it for free under episode three. Now, if you go to ejunkie.com and you get episode three, you don't get a coupon for chapter two, episode two. The reason you don't is because it's just the same thing without all all of the auto corrections, without me having a clear conversation about what the changes are and all of this stuff. We have to move some things around. I've looked at chapters three, four, five, and six, and it's, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good even read. So I can't tell you about chapter two that we're not going to go back and fix that, but <clears throat> I'll make these changes for an upcoming second edition. <laughs> so, okay, let's get back into it. So we're really having a conversation about sexual assault. I'm going to, um, publish, I think maybe three articles. I will publish this, I will republish this, the Jeff Sessions article that talks about punishing parents and separating parents and children because parents aren't doing what you want them to do. And that means they're not staying home and they're crossing the border. And I'm, I'll, I'll put some talking points into it. I'm just giving you this information because I want you to have it and not feel as though that this is something unheard of. If it's in your mind that you were punished by the courts and they were kind of harsh on you because you weren't giving in to what, to what you wanted to happen, then I want you to know you're right. (laughs) You were being punished and here's evidence of that. And then I want to punish, I want to I'll publish some articles and material to kind of guide you through where to go to for now. We're going to take another short commercial break and then we're going to get back into things. So this is where our journey must end. And saying good evening and goodbye to you today does not mean that you don't get another opportunity to impact your generation, legislation, and effective change in your kinship and relationship with your child or your children. And as always, the vision of our broadcast is incomplex that you consider, catch, check out, and cradle simple approaches to parenting and communication. And we are here to help support And in kind, your generosity helps parents' liberties and freedoms from constraint to guide and parent their children and grandchildren in safe and healthy places. Won't you become a patron today? 
visit our supporters page at patreon.com slash healthyfamiliesfirst.